My name is Anda Ginska, and this is Pros and Content. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch, a digital content intelligence platform. I'm a massive data nerd who's fallen in love with storytelling. And so on the Pros and Content podcast, we will be featuring a series of really incredible leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance, measurement, scalability, and optimization of storytelling. Today on Pros and Content, we're super lucky to have Aaron Bernstein. Aaron works at Walmart in the communications team, but he oversees all of their corporate research, insights, and analytics, as well as reputational advertising. Aaron uses a mix of data, technology, and AI to transform and inform his strategies. And even though a lot of people say that they use AI and technology and data, they're actually bullshitting. Aaron is not bullshitting. I can attest to that because he's not only a customer, but was one of our first customers and really pushed us and continues to push us as we think about where we take the platform next. In our conversation, we talk a lot about data, uh, no surprise there, and the consequences of having too much data versus too little data, or too much data and not enough insights. The main takeaway there is that it's not enough to draw insights. You need to learn from your data and apply it effectively moving forward, always thinking about how you can optimize an outcome, not just measure an outcome. He also notes that data is not the end-all be-all. It really comes down to also having the right people on board to make those decisions that ultimately are both creatively led and data led. Here's my conversation with Aaron Bernstein. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Frozen Content. I'm here today with a very special guest, someone who challenges me constantly on the things that I think about the world, technology, and in particular, the realm of content. His name is Aaron, with two A's, not Aaron, my co-founder with one A. <laughs> Aaron oversees Walmart's corporate research, insights, and analytics, and reputational advertising initiatives. He utilizes data technology and artificial intelligence to provide corporate marketing and business insights and strategies. The corporate affairs advertising he leads utilizes the most effective messaging, targeting, and media optimization tools to change minds and behavior. It's a pretty good intro. It's Welcome, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a lot of stuff when you sort of read it back to yes, me. Yes, exactly. Extent. There is quite a lot that you do. Yeah, it's, it's quite, uh, quite diverse in terms of the things that we get involved in. But I think there's probably some sort of like natural progression to sort of where we are, right? Um, sort of looking back to where we came from and, you know, in sort of a new world that we're sort of living in and sort of this intersection of data and technology with strategy, whether it's marketing, business, communications, it's it's like it's sort of taken a pretty strong grip over the industry. Totally. So you um, have to be good at so it and you, you sort have of to incorporate have it. To, and I think, you know, the challenge is like, how do you sort of continue to stay ahead? Yeah. To me. So... I'll start by saying something that you might think I'm I'm bullshitting you on, but I'm not, mm -hmm. which is that um, we at Notch genuinely think extremely highly of the Walmart team. We've been so impressed. And I, it's not that we didn't think that you guys would be good, but we didn't think you'd be that good. And you guys push us a lot in thinking about how to best utilize the data that we capture and build even more innovative use cases on top of it. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how does Walmart think about building that DNA of just amazing teams? Because by the way, like as soon as we figured this out, I went around and I was like, is this true or is this just the right. comps team? Right. Like what is happening right. here? And as it turns out, even though you have to live in a city that basically is only Walmart, somehow Walmart's managed to recruit some of the best people in the industry. How does this work? What's the secret? Well, first, when was, well, when was the last time you've been to 
Northwest Arkansas. So I have not been yeah, there, but I should no, go. You, you Do you have a podcast? You definitely should. I, I <laughs> may start one after this. Um, no, it's uh, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, look, it's it's been a an evolution um, where you know you sort of have the opportunity to work for a company with massive size and scale, right? And then you know, as part of that is all the complexity that sort of surrounds a brand like Walmart. And you sort of couple that with the challenges that the company's facing on a day-in, day-out basis. I think just uh, there's an energy that, you know, people derive from that. And sort of how do you sort of tackle these like really monumental sort of challenges in whether it's sort of driving brand favorability or reputation to um, sort of creating a more emotional connection with the customer uh, and and then at the same time sort of navigating all the you know all the all the pitfalls and sort of roadblocks that you know you're you're coming across on a daily basis just because of the nature of of a brand like Walmart. Uh, so look, I, I've I don't know I feel like I've done a, a pretty good job of trying to bring in you know really strong diverse talent um, mm-hmm. you know people from you know different, Different perspective, people who have different perspectives, and I think a couple of things sort of are, are common attributes across all of it. And something that I sort of like believe in is is one, um, you know, you sort of have to be comfortable with ambiguity. You know, I'm not a subject matter expert in anything, so I think just understanding that you're not going to know everything, mm-hmm. but sort yeah. of trust in sort of the the process and trust in sort of the the people. And and so now we're like, you know, trusting the technology, you know, because like if you're going to try to understand, you know, how sort of the sausage is made, Everything so to speak, and, and yeah. then you're just going to find yourself sort of confused and um, and with a headache similar to the ones that you get because of your intermittent fasting. But, um, <laughs> but no, look, at, at the end of the day, and then also, you know, I think, uh, you know, sort of driving like, a you know, we just a passion for sort of innovation and disruption yeah. is another i mean i think particularly in this world that we live in this this comms world yeah. that i think is just ripe for disruption totally. and you know the more that we can continue to sort of bring these worlds of sort of the 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 data technology world into sort of the modern day communications world um i think it's just only going to make us make us smarter so you know i don't know and i i sort of just try to like keep everyone happy to some extent, you know, and sort of serve as a, a, a counselor to yeah. the business in any way we possibly can. And, you know, we're agnostic to the questions that we get asked. And but I think something that you do really well is you, you, you're kind of like a scout, right? For really good technology and really yeah. good people that you could work with. And from what you've told me in the past, you've built more or less the equivalent of a tech stack for yeah. the modern communications team, right? Yeah. I mean, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. So if you sort of rewind the clock, I don't know, let's just say like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And, you know, when you thought about sort of research, so to speak, um, it was defined in a very sort of traditional qualitative and quantitative sense. Yep. You know, and that still- You sound of, like me now. Yeah, look, that's, that's that still exists. Story. That still exists, right? Yeah, like totally. People, I mean, people- Well, because there's Panels, surveys, focus yeah. groups. Yeah. Um, it's still very sort of prevalent, but 
you know, what I, what I saw happening um, was sort of this, this emergence of quote unquote data, right? And, and quote unquote AI, and we can just continue to throw out all the, the buzzwords. <laughs> but it was really like, okay, look, I, I don't understand that world. I'm a liberal arts major. I'm not a mathematician or a data scientist. I'm not going to pretend that. But there seems to be like, there, there's got to be smart application mm-hmm. for that within sort of the communications landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, you can't always just rely on what people say. And, yeah. and that I think is one of the big pitfalls is that a lot of decisions are made just based on what people say. And right. I, um, I don't know, I sort of become kind of skeptical over the years and really, and fortunately we're in a position at Walmart to sort of really understand what people are doing, right. Mm-hmm. Versus saying, uh, but sort of bringing, bringing those two worlds together. And so yeah, I think both are important. Yeah. And so at the time, you know, there was a couple different, um, tools or whatever you want to call it, tech that, you know, we started sort of experimenting with that mm-hmm. sort of foreign to me at the time. We were, you know, it was involved like, you know, natural language processing capabilities, yep. um, you know, where we were sort of trying to capture. And I think this is something that, you know, a lot of people still aren't doing as much as they should because it's there, which is sort of this vast world of unstructured open source data, right? So think about like everything that's publicly available. News, blogs, patents, uh, studies, um, company databases. I mean, anything that you can possibly get your hands on. And so like, and there's so, so much learning and signals um, and insight that you can gain if you're able to process all that in the right way. Mm-hmm. And that's where the technology comes in because no human can obviously curate that much information, Right. Uh, so I think we started to sort of experiment with like different, different types of tools that were helping us sort of curate and, and process all this unstructured open source that enabled us to sort of really, um, answer questions around all these different issues or domains. Um, and that sort of evolved into, okay, well now is there things that we can do to help automate some of this process? Mm -hmm. Can we, you know, are there, are there bots, for example, that can help Mm -hmm. sort of curate information and allow a user to ask it a question and get a response, right? Mm-hmm. Or summarize an article for it as opposed to having to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that evolved into, you know, all the sort of social analytics that we sort of layered on top. And um, and then, you know, now sort of, you know, thinking about sort of content and, mm-hmm. you know, really understanding the sort of the, the performance and metrics behind like content across paid, own, and earn, and sort of, you know, in our, our work with you and, and, and the Notch team. Um, which is, you know, which has been great. And again, it's sort of like, I, I just don't believe there's also like one single solution. And so the idea totally. is like, can we put together an infrastructure that's built off six or seven different types best of tools that are solutions. all best in class yeah. solutions that are all sort of complementary to one another. Yeah. And independent. Yeah. Independent. Because I think what's actually really powerful about what you're doing that I want the world to know about, most people just turn to Adobe and they're like, okay, cool. Can you guys just come in and do everything? But the truth is, when you do that, there's so much complacency on all sides of the table when you pick just one partner. Plus, there's a massive investment, and you're trapped into a model where your data is essentially held hostage by another company. Right. Whereas if you're building a best-in-class, like, yes, you might have to deploy some more resources to figure out how to integrate. But ultimately, you're pushing a bunch of different partners that are there to, like, work for you. I mean, we would give our heart and soul, right? Yeah. 
and all the data belongs to you and you get to be a kind of a true thought leader and in pushing the industry on these topics. So I, I command you for no, kind of going it. out there and, and doing this. Um, and I think, by the way, the fact that you're a liberal arts major in a way, in a weird way. I wasn't a good you, one, but I'm a liberal arts a good, major. No. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Not a very good <laughs> but what you're good at is you're very good at cutting through the bullshit of some of the, the technologies that are out there as well. Um, so I'm curious in the context of building the stack like where do you start how long did it take um do you feel like you figured it out um how much longer do you think it's going to take yeah it's a good question uh you know so no no I, no one i haven't figured it out i mean i <sighs> challenge i don't think anyone's really figured it out because it's the minute you're trying to figure it out everything's changed so you know for us it's like how do we continue to sort of stay ahead i mean you know the fact that like some of the technology that we onboarded four or five years ago is sort of now like Finally mainstream, up, final, yeah. well, now it's sort of like sort of yeah. mainstream yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, you know, it's, it's it, you know, we, we feel good about that. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, it's like, well, no, now we got to go find something that's not new. And then, you know, we'll sort of wait another five years and then yeah. it'll become sort of fully adopted. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a pro, I, I think the, the big learning that for me is it's not the technology it's not a technology only solution. It's a, it's a people and process solution as mm, much. Mm. So like, how do you actually connect technology with people? Yeah. And I think point. a lot of times like that stuff happens in silos and that's yeah. why like the world's never actually come together. And, yep. you know, I think, I don't know if you're probably hearing this phrase a lot, which is like ComTech. I don't actually, know. Actually, no, I'm, really? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. What tell well, us about ComTech. So listen, if you haven't heard ComTech, it, it'll be the new sort of buzzword coming out. Of course, in... I've heard of MarTech. It is a, it is a play off Martech. Oh. So it's the communications version yeah, of no. Martech. Yeah, it right? makes sense. So do you think there's going to be Comtech teams like there's yeah. Martech teams? Oh. I, my if I was if I was a betting man, I bet that like you know, fast forward a year, year or two, um, maybe I mean probably sooner in a lot of areas, yeah. like that you will actually see sort of like official official like. Roles and functions That's cool. branded as Comtech. Well, you should be the leader of the pack. Yeah, um, you know, I, can, <laughs> I, you I strive to. You should have claimed that you invented yeah. it. Yeah, well, I didn't. I it came out of you. like, I think it's um the Page Society or something. Okay, of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, point point is, it I think it's sort of analogous to what quote unquote digital was like. That's sort of say coming out of like. For me, the point, my point of reference is usually like the sort of the the, the political campaigns, just because I had some, you know, a little bit of my background. But like looking at sort of the Obama campaign of 08 and 12, and then all of a sudden, you know, what sort of birthed from that was this sort of like digital boom. And you yeah. had digital agencies spinning up. And next thing you know, everyone needed digital people and your digital, you know. You know, titles were being created, chief digital officer, et cetera, et cetera. That's so interesting. And I don't think so anyone. So that was the inflection point for comms, you think? Yeah. Well, and, and what's what's interesting is no one could actually, at the time, sort of define what that meant. Like, uh -huh. what does digital mean? Right. And probably still couldn't fully define it now. But context sort of the same thing, which is like, I, I you know, I, I don't know what it, like, if you ask 10 different people, you'd get mm. 10 different definitions. Mm. And, but it's it's one of these things, that's like, I, I can't define it. But I think we need it. And it's the same with what digital was. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell you exactly what we need, but we need digital as I part of our- I think content is the same too. Like, how would you define content? Right? Like- Yeah, to me, it's more, it's, it's a delivery mechanism for a, 
for uh, for a message. It's a format. It's a so, it's a delivery mechanism. It's a context. It's it has many different goals. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's hard. I think a lot of things are harder to define. Yeah. And and by the way, our our simple little minds are. I, and I think for measurement, this is one of the biggest pet peeves, and I talk about it all the time. But but our simple minds are like, I really want to put this into a binary format. Like I really want this to be about click through rates or about views. Right. But it isn't. It's about so many different things. Yeah. And it, it's it's harder and harder. And that's why I don't think anyone's figured it out. And anyone who would sit in front of me and say that they figured it out yeah, would have limited no. credibility. But you're right. I mean, like, how do you sort of, I think, you know, move past, like, all the sort of the legacy yeah. APIs, right? Yeah. And get to sort of the, to me, it's like, what did you actually change? Mm -hmm. And what, what persuasion occurred, mm -hmm. right? So... And look, it could be I'm persuading you to go buy something, you yeah. know, or persuading you to feel differently about a brand or an issue. But I think like you, you and, and also sort of being able to then sort of drill down at the at the audience level and really at the most, you know, try to get down to the, the most individual level that you possibly can to say whether your, you know, your engagement, your content did did it change Aaron's opinion, right? Versus Honda's opinion. Yep. And yeah, I think like that's totally. the challenge, right? Which is getting it, down to the granular person. And then why did it change Aaron's opinion right. versus your opinion? And what are we going to do and about it? And then what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And then what experience, new experience is Aaron yeah. going to have versus, versus you because of it? So I think like, yeah. you know, building out the full sort of like journey yeah. uh, that goes beyond just that single engagement yeah. is a... I think for us, something that you know, we were actually just talking with your team about prior to this, like where we want to go, you know, as we as we roll into the the new year. Right. From from you know, I don't want to use the dirty word personalization, but but how how can we really take that data and start making it personal? Yeah, and then and then being able to measure and attribute back. Yeah. To, yeah. The the content um, or whatever sort of the the assets back to probably the, an offline. Some sort of conversion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what what is interesting? And and by the way, that's really cool because you have all that data. So, in theory, right? The yeah. offline conversion theory. Okay, cool. Um, that's a different topic yeah. we can discuss it's afterwards. Another it's podcast. Another podcast. Yeah. Um, we didn't. So so just just so so that the listeners can understand, you know, where the conversation is coming from. The vast majority of our customers before we met you. Actually, all of our customers before we met you were on the marketing side. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew comms was a thing and I knew comms was making content, but I thought it was just all about earned. Right. And you guys introduced us to a completely new world, which has been amazing. So thank you for that. But it the the kind of investor comms, the employee comms, right. even customer comms to some extent, like the corporate brand. Right. It, it was really interesting to see how you guys strategically and proactively use content influence not just kind of allow the earned side to manifest itself. Tell us a bit about that team and how you guys think about being proactive in, in influencing that brand and, and across what stakeholders are you doing it? Yeah, I guess, you know, fortunately, you know, um, we've been given sort of the ability both from a, you know, just from a resources perspective and to sort of engage in a much more sort of robust and, and strategic paid communications yeah um sort of effort uh yep. that you know i think does stem back to sort of 
data and technology because like our whole sort of mantra is audience first. And so how do we sort of go about identifying, you know, who our sort of target audiences are at the individual level? And then, you know, from there, you know, what is the right messaging that's going to persuade them? And then from there, okay, well then what's sort of the right delivery mechanism, i.e. sort of content um, that that's going to um, sort of present itself in the, in, in the best way. So look, we, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of different custom audience segments that we've sort of built over the years that we sort of prioritize and we run advertising against, I think, you know, for the most part, I mean, well, predominantly it, it sort of lives within, um, you know, cause you know, we've got sort of marketing on the other side of the house that is, you know, obviously myopically focused on like the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, on the corporate affairs side of the house, you know, we obviously, we obviously care about the customer, but, um, that's just such a vast, yeah, it's a massive addressable massive, audience. Massive <laughs> audience that yeah. you know, our budgets aren't going to effectively yeah. reach or influence. Yeah. But, you know, where, you know, obviously because of the nature of, you know, communications or corporate affairs and, you know, the fact that like, you know, we're sort of dealing with sort of the reputational challenges, political policy, um, business, you know, that, you know, we we really prioritize, um, you know, our, our opinion elites and, you know, everyone has their own definitions of opinion elites and you can sort of throw them out there. I mean, you're an opinion elite. <laughs> there we go. Um, you're an opinion actually, no, elite. I did see Wait, that you I? were, well, weren't you like called out in the, was it, what what magazine, Adweek? Oh, or, Business Insider? There you go. Yeah. One of them is like top 30. Oh. What, um, yeah, the most, or, I, I have a few of those. You got a few. Um, it's hard for you to remember, yeah. but. You know, I think being, the latest one. You're an elite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, so, yeah. So we got, you know, political, you know, business, tech, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'll call them sort of ESG, which is sort of the new, like, um, socially responsible sort of investor community. And, you know, all of our sort of advertising is geared towards most effectively in the most optimized way, reaching, reaching these people. Right. And, um, and so, you know, we've, we've actually had a lot of success. Um, with a lot of our native and sponsored content campaigns. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where we start working yeah. with you all. Yep. Um, yep. And then we sort of extended that into the owned yep. channels and environment. Yep. But, you know, I think, you know, in a world where no one trusts anybody, like, you know, uh, how, how do you, how, how do you as a brand um, sort of even like break through or get your foot in the door to getting somebody's attention, right? And right. I think that's sort of where the the sponsored content plays because in yeah. essence like you know that the audience is already going there yeah for content for content and about can, something about something and it seems to be a and because the world's so polarized everyone goes to their own everyone keeps going back to the same sources of mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. um and for them it's truth mm-hmm. and so if we can sort of embed our sort of brand and our narratives and our messaging in a in sort of a seamless way within a within an editorial environment environment you know it's we've we've seen we've we've seen really positive results from that right um yeah and again and then also being able to now right like um measure sort of and get the analytics behind all that engagement sort of directly you know versus sort of having to go back through the the publishers um is is really important and then more importantly to be able to see how it all sort of works cross sort of functionally with in our own environment because like does the same piece of content 
within a Walmart owned platform, you know, have the same impact as it yeah. does if it's living and breathing on the New York Times. Right. Right. Because if it does, then maybe you'll make more of the owned ones. Right. Or like or also it's could just it's just different audiences. Yeah. So yeah. that's important to know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean we run an always on advertising, um, digital, predominantly digital advertising um campaign that, you know, is is targeting. It's, you know, we've got audience extensions where you know, leveraging all the different components, whether it's, you know, contextual display to pre-roll to sponsored. Yeah. Uh, actually, what's really interesting is that, you know, within all that, I, I still think that like some of the more creative, like out of home advertising actually sort of gets the best results. <laughs> I say that more like anecdotally because yeah. it just gets better anecdotal yeah, yeah, feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so like when you run ads. I was going to challenge you. Yeah. No, you because you can't, you can't actually measure it, right? Outside of anecdotal. Yeah. But in a, in certain sort of, environments, corporate environments or whatever, like yeah. sometimes depending on who receives that anecdotal feedback, it actually goes a lot them? longer. Well, no, who? so let's say like, for example- oh, You mean at Walmart. Yeah. So let's yeah, say like yeah, yeah. the CEO happens to be, oh, you know, yeah. traveling and happens to see, yeah. and I'm not saying this happened at Walmart, but just like, you know, happens to see uh, advertising that you're running at, you know, one of the airports, yeah. right? Or in a taxi, right? Or- off go go in flight or you know what's funny is and i'm just telling you then oh wow that was that was awesome right yeah and no, they there's, message no, you there's no and, metrics behind it and in your head you're thinking we should do more of that right and basically you're just doing it for the ceo of the company well, or, <laughs> yeah or just because it just yeah i mean it, it yields anecdotal response yeah. where i think that's i think that's actually one of the bigger challenges when you get more targeted yeah and you feel like you're becoming more strategic that you don't the people in your like sort of organization don't see it. Yeah. And it's sort of like if you don't see it, is it happening? Yeah. But like, yes, it's happening and we're being even more strategic about it. It's so it's it's one of those finer balances between like above the line advertising, right, versus below the line. So Yeah. Anyway. We'll be right back to prison content after this brief message. Pros and Content Podcast is brought to you by Notch, the content intelligence platform for brands. For a demo, and to learn how to best plan, measure, optimize, and benchmark your content marketing strategy, visit us at notch.com. K-N-O-T-C-H.com. Notch. It's all you'll ever need. I was going to say, my next question was going to be, when you guys think about going to other stakeholders to to get budget or talk to them about ROI or mm. get a larger budget. Who are those stakeholders? Like who do you have to convince? Is it the CFO or how how does that work on your side? Um I mean for knock on wood. Um <laughs> you know fortunately like we we have our own contained budget. Mm -hmm. So um and that sort of again like enables us to you know operate pretty nimbly. Yeah. Um, and also sort of experiment. And yep. I think, you know, we sort of strive to operate a little bit like a, a startup, so to speak, yeah. within a corporate environment. Yep. Um, at, least, at least my team does. And, you know, as much as we can sort of try to like, and, you know, again, fortunately, because we sort of have our own resources. Um, you get to do that. You get to do that. I mean, Which, at the end of the day, it's it's almost that simple, right? Like. Yeah. I have seen it. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Because if it's you impressive. have to go, if you have to go and you know, convince, you know, all these different areas of the business, mm. 
for resources mm -hmm. that it just presents its own challenges, yeah. right? And yeah. So I've also seen that. <laughs> What's that? I said I've also seen that. Yeah, and how and, does that work? Well, you know, it just comes with. Um, I think basically what ends up happening is in the end you end up in the same place, but an, a year later, basically. Right. And so you've kind of wasted a year of learnings and in our case of data that we could have collected and, and built a ton of things on um, just because you have to go through this whole audit, you know, there's consultants that are brought in to make sure that there isn't a complementary thing that could be used from another part of the right. stack and another part of the company. I mean, and I think for Walmart, because of how big it is, it could be complete paralysis if you started introducing a yeah. ton of processes like that. So it's, it's awesome that you get some of that independence. And I think it leads to you guys being able to to kind of have this reputation of being a great team and having, you know, A players and probably hiring A players as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, to have that autonomy, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of enables you to do a lot of things and in essence makes you, like I said, um, you're really able to serve as a, I don't know, sort of an internal sort of consultant, so to speak, mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, I've always sort of, Defined it as like the next generation of business intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this, which is, um, or business consultancy, whatever you want to call it, which is just at, at its core, like we can answer people's questions, right? And it doesn't matter what the question is or where it's coming from, whether it's around content, whether it's just I want to understand more about a specific domain, like what are the major trends that are happening in sort of the home delivery space. Um, uh, you know, what are what are major enterprise risks that, um, you know, we should be sort of prepared for? Um, you know, what are the latest consumer trends in fashion um, to, I mean, you know, um, you know, competitive competitor intelligence and mm -hmm. what's happening and, mm -hmm. you know, what what uh, what investment trends are happening within sort of the retail VC space and what what can that indicate as far as you know, where the environment's going. And, and so again, like, and, and obviously all the things that sort of happen within like a corporate affairs environment around, you know, um, media and messaging and uh, audiences. And, um, but it, uh, like at its core, I think the ability for us to answer all those questions, again, sort of falls back on the fact that number one, um, you know, we, we've found a way to sort of connect the pipes on all the data. Um, yep. Again, both the sort of unstructured open source and then sort of the structured um, um, internal and then built that technology stack that sort of sits in between it. And then also just, you know, have a great team of like, you know, analysts that again, like are just not subject matter experts in anything, but right. are um, intellectually curious, right? Yeah. They know really how to ask the right questions. Under, sort of understand con context and like what's happening in the world. Yep. Um, and also I think what's, you know, really important is just the ability to sort of communicate and connect the dots between like this complex world and this sort of simple and I'm not I'm not saying like simple in a bad way, but just like communications, right? It's sort of like Yeah. Sort of how how do you sort of translate and connect these worlds in a way that well, and they how do you answer questions that, that the leadership's asking? Because yeah. those questions are simple. And do and so they quickly, need a simple right? Answer. Like at the end of the day, like how, right. how do you do it like quickly? So, yeah. you know, could it take a few minutes if its process is automated and I can just ask a bot to curate something? Um, but, you know, it may take, you know, a couple hours or a couple days. And I think, but I think like what you're sort of trying to disrupt is like the traditional model of sort of business consultancy, which is very sort of manual and, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, 
sort of human driven and you know it takes takes a lot longer than a couple hours and it's usually months and you know generates massive massive sort of powerpoint presentations with a bunch of information that you know usually yield more questions to be answered and so i think you know can we sort of be complementary to that and um at least help filter information for people mm -hmm. to allow them to start to make decisions mm -hmm. uh, and do so in the most sort of unbiased way because it's sort of, and, you know, again, not striving to get you 100% of the answer, but can we get you 60%, yep. 70%? And that should enable you to then either ask more questions or go off and hopefully make a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think at the end of the day, like we spend all of our time or traditionally most times spent sort of trying to like collect information and then you just have no time to actually like make decisions, digest it, yeah. and make decisions. Yeah, and yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, oh as, my God, as, so true. Can can we strive to like reduce the amount of time it takes for people to collect information, right? And like mm -hmm. present it and package it in a way that they can sort of digest, mm -hmm. and then go make it, and then and then I mean, um, you know off to the next thing. So, literally, the philosophy of our product, which I don't talk about that much, but so many other companies aggregate data from other places. And so 90% of their time is spent getting the data in the right format, putting it together, making it talk to each other, figuring out how it tells a bigger story. 90% of our time can be used on analyzing and creating insights because we control the data collection. So there's absolutely no time that's being spent on that, except for, you know, it, it just happens automatically. And so we can deploy all of our human resources on the analysis of it. So totally yeah. agreed on that. Do you guys work at all with marketing? What's yeah. that relationship? You do? Yeah, quite closely now. Tell um, us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, like it's, uh, you know, look, the, the worlds of like marketing and sort of corporate affairs or comms are- Are colliding. Are colliding, right? Yeah. And they can either sort of like collide and then explode or sort of collide and, you know, create something that's even greater than, yeah. you know, um, one of the entities, you know, um, it would be like a Mark Comtech yeah, thing. <laughs> but like, look, we 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 are working incredibly closely with um, our our marketing teams now. They've got new leadership in place, and they're great. And I think you know you're going to see, you know, I think even more emphasis on sort of the um, sort of the emotional components of the brand, mm. and how do you sort of continue to like drive the the heart, right? Not just the head. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the technology that, you know, we've been utilizing, I think we can, you know, export and um, Good to know. over into their environment. <laughs> and I think that, you know, they're very open and um, it's, I'm excited to see like what sort of the year looks like and how it unfolds just because, you know, look, historically, like in a lot of organizations, like, you know, those two, these two sort of functions you know, live independent of one another, or at least even if they are independent, they just sort of like markers from Mars. Yeah, exactly. People are from Venus. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, um, but, but more and more so I hear about the consolidation yeah, between yeah. the two. And so I think I'm really happy to hear that. It's really important. And I think, because like, and particularly for a brand like Walmart, where like, there's no sort of separate, like, there's no separation sort of in that experience, which yeah. is the customer experience. And so like what I, how I interact with the brand, for example, like outside of the four walls, right? And whether it's based on like what you're reading or hearing um has a and and vice versa has a direct influence on my experience inside the four walls and i say that both physically and virtually but mm. and and again like it goes both ways so it's like 
you know, you can deliver the best piece of content, right? And it can persuade somebody in that moment to say, you know what, like, I didn't know Walmart did that, right? Like, hmm, that's, you know, maybe I should, you know, subconsciously think a little bit differently about them or, um, but, you know, historically, but, but if you went into the store, for example, or went online, let's say you just had a bad experience, it wouldn't have mattered that, that what, what you read or heard or, you know, whatever content you engaged with, you know, three days ago, doesn't matter, right? Because at that point, it's the experience that matters. And so, and vice versa, like if you just have, you know, if you come from where you have like a bad experience and then you try to go engage with content um, and the two sort of experiences or stories are divergent, then it doesn't work either. So I think like, again, I- it, Alignment's important. Alignment's important in that the, the customer experience is pretty elastic across both like the- sort of the the transactional and emotional mm-hmm. sort of journey and experience. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I'm excited to see what um how how the relationship continues to be uh be fruitful. Well, I think what's interesting is you talk about the matters of the heart and and I like hearing that because I would assume that you have perfect brand awareness. I mean, you you don't need to invest at all on that front. Right. I'm assuming you're Which is actually not always a good thing, but yeah. more often than not. I mean, because right. opinions because people been put you because it's been formed. They put you in a bucket, right? Um, so I guess like, let me ask you then, because I don't want to assume, what are some of the main goals? Like, are you trying to change perception? Are you trying to just drive? Because you yeah. said matters of the heart. Are you trying to, to drive emotion? If so, what emotion? Trust, for the most part. Okay. I mean, I think just how do you continue to sort of build trust? Yep. Um, and again, you know, trust in sort of the experience that, yeah. you know, but trust that um, you are... Um, going to operate with the highest sort of ethical and you know standards and, and privacy standards um trust you know that you're going to be a, an even more this is even more important today than it's ever been which is like trust that you know a company is going to be a good sort of corporate citizen and sort of valuable member of the community and you know positive contributor to this sort of society right yeah. and like um and i think like you're seeing like you know, not just with Walmart, but sort of that this sort of play out as we sort of think about like, you know, what is sort of the the purpose, corporate purpose, like, you know, is a word that's sort of used a lot. And, um, and you know, I think you'll see sort of the strategy align, you know, underneath that, you know, as you think about the, the really the impact that, you know, you can have um, on, on sort of the, on, on community, society, and the world to some extent. So. That's cool. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, cool. so I want to move into a section that um, is a little bit more about kind of life and career advice. Oh, man. <laughs> I should be asking you. Should, should you have any? Oh, come on. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy so to share is, my perspective. Um, yeah, this is the best place to work. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, it's pretty good. Yeah. As, as we said, as we, we have dogs. About the dogs. The dogs is the key. <laughs> it's not just about the dogs. I'm yeah. a great leader. Um, <laughs> so what when you're when you're in the realm of content across any company, whether it's marketing or comms, mm-hmm. you inevitably end up doing some version of paid media, creative, data, yeah. technology, digital. You're touching all sorts of things. Yeah. How, like, wh- what's kind of the advice you'd give to someone who's just coming into this role, stepping into a content role, maybe, or maybe they've been in it for a couple of years. How would you move around the industry if you were a, a, a kind of mm-hmm. a future content leader? That's a good question. You know, it's, you're right, because like, you know, usually you're sort of in a in a track, right? You're either yeah, exactly. on the strategy side, yeah. right? 
or Paid you're media, on or you're, or you're on the on the creative side, right? And then you're on the media side. Yep. And that's sort of, you know, historically been like the three buckets. So yep. like strategy comes up with the strategy, writes the briefs, hands it over to creative and they produce the content. Yeah. They hand the content over to media who runs the media, right? Yep. And then and then that that process continues and continues and continues. Um yeah, I mean I've sort of just, you know, again, like I'm fortunate to sort of been able to like get exposure to all three and sort of try to bring all all of them together. Um yeah. again, like not, you know, in, in our own sort of way and it's not, you know, I, I think that presents probably challenges when you're operating at massive massive scale mm-hmm. like in like a major marketing operation where like you've got hundreds of pieces of content, hundreds of campaigns that are running like at some point, like you, you, you need like the right sort of process and yeah. be able to like hand the ball off. But, um, but look, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's, you know, in order to sort of fully get that, like, I don't know, 360 degree sort of perspective, um, it's important to at least have vi- like have, have visibility or experience in sort of all three facets. Yeah. You know, what's the best way to do that? I think working in content is not bad. No, no. Look, right? You got to start. Look, every, yeah, it's a great place to start, right? Yeah. And um, h- how do I sort of bring in insights, right? And how do I leverage insights and translate insights into a strategy and then that strategy into actually some sort of creative manifestation, um, some visual, some you know, content? And then how do you sort of come up with the right media strategy with the right audiences that's most optimized? And then lastly, which is the one that I forgot, which is like the whole measurement piece, right? Which sort of historically is its own vertical, right? Yeah. So yeah, then, yeah, there's yeah. The, then there's measurement, right? And you know, and now I think, you have to be good at that too. And now you have to sort of understand, and then how do you feed the, the that other, into creative? Yeah, be like, look, the other challenge, and um, is when you're when you're moving so fast and you've got so much volume, and you're going from content to content, campaign to campaign, that you don't actually take the learnings from mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. sort of the, the measurement or the reflection to integrate and integrate it yeah. into the the new campaign because it's almost already kicked off and it's like one of these things where it's just like a it it's sort of like the um the uh, conveyor belt that runs the sushi around you know it's <laughs> like it doesn't stop yeah. right and so yeah you know you, you take have to one, learn real fast yeah you you know you take one piece off and then you know you're waiting for the next piece and you know yeah. the, the one the piece of sashimi that you wanted goes by because you were having <laughs> a, it's one of those things where it's it's you, you have to figure out how to like continue to feed the learnings and insight and take that measurement piece and not just make it a sort of end of the campaign output totally. and then we're off to the next yes. but actually more like it should be the beginning it should be the beginning of the next campaign input yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's but by the way, like if you wait, saying in the campaign output, beginning of the next campaign input. input. There you go. Uh, That's should, uh, I'm going to tweet that. Yeah, you should. I'm going <laughs> to write that down. Yeah, before it goes away. Right. Well, uh, one of the um, one of the things we, I we were at a breakfast this morning, which I invited you to, but you didn't come. One of yeah, the things that we talked about. Flying. You were flying. One of the things we talked about was um, when you wait until the end of a campaign. There's so much pressure on that result, too, because I was complaining about the fact that not every marketer actually wants to know the truth. But what I think is really happening is by the end of the campaign, you have no like you're powerless. Like the only even if you find out that it didn't work, what are you going to do about it? And so it's the worst when you get that data and then you have to take it to something like actually didn't work. And so there's a natural bias to try to figure out how you can spin that story into a success. 
and I don't think the 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 right thing to do is to be like, oh, let's just give them the data as it is. I think the right thing to do is to start integrating data and measurement and your yeah. measurement partner at the decision making table when you're planning. Yeah. Because then you're measuring for inputs, you're optimizing against those inputs. Yeah. And by the end, there there isn't a wrap up thing. Like you already know what happened and you're right. done. Like it's part of the new one. Yeah, that would be I don't know, that that would be amazing if like we could get rid of the end of campaign wrap-ups yeah maybe you know, maybe it, i should cancel all of them i mean we should just because like they are what they are like yeah you in, in essence it's By like then, okay if you we still just close the book yeah and now we're off to the next book yeah versus yeah. a continuation yeah and a flow of of learning and insight so that's yeah I, maybe we could you know Let's as, as, as practitioners you know <laughs> we could sort of push for you know the end of the uh End of year wrap ups. Yeah. Or end of campaign wrap ups. Let's kill. Let's kill all end of year yeah. wrap ups. Well, I think in order to do that, we have to, to invent beginning of the yeah. year, whatever you the opposite of a wrap up. So kick what you, off. What, kick what off. do you say to um people who are, you know, sort of trying to get into the space and learn and grow? What do I say? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, well, so thank I, you look, for I'm asking. always like <laughs> in search of professional, personal advice and counsel. So yeah, there you go. Um, I think content is an amazing area to to work in because it is at the intersection of so many different things. Um, I actually think there's a CMO track within content. I think <clears throat> the next generation of CMOs have to be really good storytellers because I think the the war is not going to be played or played out in performance. I think that's just like a table stakes thing at this point. I think it's going to be around brand. But it's not going to be enough to just be a good storyteller. It's going to be a storytelling and data combination. And so I think content actually from the get-go forces you to have to walk that line. Because if you can't tell a data story, then you can continue telling your story. Um, so anyway, I, I'm very bullish on it. I mean, obviously, I'm building a company around it. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Also, we're just starting to do our own content efforts, uh, obviously. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but you guys aren't in the content creation. We're not, but we are. Business. But we are an enterprise software right. product. Right. So, like Ergo, we also need to make content because we we believe that content works, right? Like we see it; it works for so many of our customers, ever, and it's so humbling, by the way. But to, are you? Do you do you offer sort of consultation on content and strategy? <laughs> um, Has that ever been like something you guys you've considered? Well, or did so you always want to be like. So the thing is, we we do we do that we do a, a lot of it, but we do it as part of what we do. It's right. not like a separate thing. Right. We don't have a team of we don't have an agency team. Um, we do help as much as we can, but then there's also, as you know, there's a there's a lot of agencies around us, and so with a lot of our customers, we work through their agencies or right. with their agencies. And so there's things that like look if 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 we don't have to do them ourselves, I I don't mind not doing them because right. we're also in the game of scaling fast yeah. here. So. Right. You know, to the extent that we can just do what we're good at. But yeah, I mean, it, look, it, in order to make measurement not an afterthought, we also have to play a role in evangelizing the importance of putting it as a decision-making partner at the decisioning table. And we also need to be at that table, which means we have to have people across the account director team with the authority and experience to have a strategic opinion, right. not just be like, oh, and here's the table of data. Right, right, right. right. So, not just so, a yeah. data scientist who can... Yeah. So I mean it's it's I think I think tech companies are learning that they need to be a partner and so mm. they're building the capabilities too even though consulting and services they used to be very dirty words even to VCs. Yeah. 
Um, and I think on, on the separate set of things, agencies are trying to figure out how to integrate technology. And so we're all kind of colliding into yeah, each other. That's, I've, I've found that um, <laughs> been pretty interesting. Sort of the balance between like SaaS, right? Yeah. Which is sort of versus sort of the consultancy and how a lot of like, you know, tech companies, startups are sort of, you know, they initially say, oh, all just, it's all SaaS. Yeah, but all platform. But then sort of realize that like, you know, to drive success, to, you know, top line, like there's a lot of like revenue on the other side. And also yeah. Yeah, when, sure. when the technology sometimes is overly sort of complex, it yeah. requires like sort of additional sort of expertise and consultancy totally. or like the internal environment just doesn't have the bandwidth. So like even in our case, right, like and we've got really smart people on the team and analysts, but like, so like we don't have the bandwidth for everything. And so we actually do have to outsource certain questions to different sort yeah. of, so it'd be like, and again, like it's, it's, um, you know, it's that balance between like how much can you sort of, you know, do yourself and how much can the tech empower you versus also needing just some additional So I've, I've never been, both our board and myself, uh, we have not been opposed to the idea of services or partnership or advising, not at all. In fact, quite the contrary. Um, and I also think that when, you, when you're a data collector, when you collect a data set that no one else collects, you have a lot of defensibility and building strategic services around that is a little bit easier than being a services company that's trying to build differentiated technology. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes you know, sense. I'm, I'm betting on tech. Uh, Thank too. you for the question. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for the chat, too. Awesome. It's great, this great to be awesome. here. This is awesome. I can't wait for the world to hear about how Walmart does it. Yeah, no, appreciate it. This is it. awesome. A lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks. That was my conversation with Aaron Bernstein. I think it's such a special episode because it's actually the first episode we have with a true communications focus and a conversation around what is technology in that realm of communications. I like the idea that Aaron brings up around building a comms tech stack, um, essentially the equivalent of a MarTech stack, but for communications. I wonder how different these two stacks would look like between communications and marketing. But what I do know is that if there is a comms tech stack out there that is best in class, it's most likely going to be Aaron's. And I'm not just saying that because he works with Notch. <laughs> I'm saying that because, as you could probably hear, he is extremely thoughtful in the way he thinks about the strategy behind what they put out there in the market and as such also about the technology that backs that up. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. And for any feedback that you have, please email me at anda at prosandcontent.co. I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to nominate other speakers for us to feature. And if you want to hear more amazing content about the pros and cons of making content or being a better storyteller in today's world, please head to prosandcontent.co for more episodes. The best thing you could do for us is to rate, review, and share the series so we can grow the community and the much-needed conversation around the purpose and importance of brand storytelling. See you next time on Pros and Content.